Hey, Tyler. Yeah, Serena? I have a secret for you. I'm going to say it to you now. Okay. Did you know that snakes, those slithery, slippery boys, are often used as a symbol of evil? Um... I guess that's what gives them a bad rap. Okay, but I'm not done. Because those slippery boys are serpents, but they're also just large snakes. I mean, I knew serpent, snake, yeah, I guess. The point that I'm trying to make, Tyler, is that serpents' pass must be evil. Okay, that's a little bit of a jump. Yeah. It might be a jump, Tyler, but if you were attacked at Serpent's Past, you would be like, that's an act of aggression, and it's malicious, and therefore it's by a serpent, which is a.k.a. evil, so evil Serpent's Past. I'm not going to fight with you on that. (laughs) Yeah, no. Um, I'm Serena Shrekfels. I'm Tyler Strandberg. (laughs) And you're listening to the Avatar Podcast. Yep, yep. On this podcast, we watch the Nickelodeon show Avatar The Last Airbender and analyze the plot, themes, and characters. At the end of each episode, we'll talk about who our favorite character was, as well as give the episode a rating on a scale of 1 to 10. You're listening to the Avatar podcast. Yep, yep! Serena, I just want to say when you're saying, like, (laughs) act of aggression, that reminds me of a Bo and Yang skit on SNL, where he's like, (laughs) he aggressed me. I was aggressed. (laughs) I was aggressed. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, me too. Constantly aggressed. <laughs> the serpent's pass is aggressed. <laughs> it's aggressed. <laughs> it aggressed me. Um, one thing before we start, uh, we are currently two days, two weeks away from the United States election. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just want to make sure to remind you to go out and vote. Please use the voice that you have available for you. And you know what? I'm going to go a step further and say, um, vote for Biden. <laughs> I personally endorse Biden. Yep. And uh, yeah, no, this is, um, please vote. It's very important. It's the greatest power that you have. Um, you know, people's lives depend on this. And even if you don't fully agree with a lot of the things that he stands up for, which is totally okay, um, Biden is not everything I personally want. He is a lot no. better than what we currently have. It's so got to take step one before we take step two. You got to learn how to run before you... Never nope. mind. No, gotta learn how to walk before you can run. <laughs> that's, that's true. I think I tried saying that You in did. Earlier. This is like oh, the second time it. you've done it. Let's move on to the actual episode now, yes. shall we? Oh my god, yeah, because today we'll be talking about the 12th episode of book two titled The Serpent's Pass. And I'm gonna read what happens. What does happen? The group leaves the desert and heads to Ba Sing Se, meeting up with Suki along the way. After a family is denied tickets to the ferry, they decide to travel with them through the Serpent's Pass. Meanwhile, Zuko and Iroh are also on their way to start a new life in the Earth Kingdom capital. They encounter Jet and some of his freedom fighters, with whom Zuko starts to bond. While traveling the Serpent's Pass, the gang is attacked by a giant serpent, but manage to ward it off and make it across. The group finally makes it to Ba Sing Se, only to find the Fire Nation is about to send a gigantic drill to destroy the city's wall. This episode premiered on Nickelodeon on September 16th, 2006, and was written by Joshua Hamilton and Michael Dante DiMartino. 
And let's jump right into plot and themes and stuff and things to know, shall oh, we? I think that we uh, shall. There's so many things to, I think I think I say that like every single week, right? <laughs> like there's so many things to know. There are a lot but, of things to know. I mean, like in season one, there was some episodes where I was like, yep, nothing new to report. Yeah, well, um, it's just But like same. as we go throughout the series, there's obviously more information, so. Yeah, and I'm going to start that off with my first thing to know. Tyler, did you know that this episode aired alongside The Drill as the one-hour special Avatar Secret of the Fire Nation? Until Sozin's Comet aired, this special was the highest rating among viewers, which got 4.4 million viewers, and we're going to have 4.4 million <laughs> listeners. I hope so. Um, interestingly, um, the listing of season two on Prime Video and on Netflix, this episode and The Drill are combined into The Secret of the Fire Nation. However, the two-episode special that predated it, The Fury of Aang, is instead listed as separate episodes, The Library and The Desert. That is kind of weird. It is. Yeah, I rewatched this on Netflix, and... Um, I was really confused because mm-hmm. I was like, why is this like... It's the hour? only like, one. That's yeah. like, and it's on the DVDs too. It's really? combined. Yeah, it's so weird. It's I really don't weird. get it. Yeah, I, I really don't get, don't it, get it. There are some things that we will we will never understand. They're um, just mysteries to us. You know, like yeah. yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. But today, today is a gift. And that's why we call it the present. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> it was just like the whole time I was like, okay, my eyes are really, oh, God, where, where are my eyes going to be? They've already rolled entirely in the back. They have rolled too far back. Like I don't have eyes anymore. <laughs> they are broken. <laughs> Let's keep going with things anyway, to know. Yeah, We're almost done. Yeah. The cool thing, though, is that the serpent, which happens to be in the serpent's past. <laughs> That's why it's coming episode. <laughs> um, I thought it was so funny when Saga, because it's such a cliche. Yeah. Yeah, when, right? when he was like, oh, that's where. <laughs> anyway, uh, I actually thought the serpent was really cute. I was like, dang, that's a beautiful creature. Like They it, did like little chibi like episodes where like they animate all of uh, the Avatar characters as like super cute creatures. And they have the serpent as like a little seahorse uh, in the in like a, an aquarium. It's really cute. That's so cute. Anyway, it was beautiful. And it was like, rah, 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 and I was like, that's a gorgeous <laughs> creature. Don't hurt it. Like when God. it slammed against the when they slammed it against the rock, I, I was, was like, like "Owie!" Okay, <laughs> <You're laughs> <laughs> Anyway, but um, the serpent was first used in the unaired pilot episode, and until this one, the creators were just waiting for the right moment to bring him back into the spotlight. Um. The pregnant Earth Kingdom refugee and her husband, Ying, Than, and Than's sister, are the same couple that Zuko decided not to rob during the beginning of the episode, Zuko Alone. I didn't realize that. That's cool how they bring that back. Oh, I did. I thought it was really cool. And they like continue to use that couple, too, throughout the rest of season two. So, so it's very cute. interesting. And they have a cute little baby. <laughs> cute little baby. Anyway. <laughs> Ooh, oh, this is cool. Full Moon Bay pokes fun at the atmosphere of modern-day airport, mocking their strict security, stolen luggage, difficult employees, you know, et cetera. The, the whole world. Like, oh, my being God. Like, oh, my God, look. Bay Fong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
was just like, they As fun. Aang and the others reached the gates of the Serpent's Pass, they noticed the words, Abandoned Hope, carved <gasps> into the gate. Um, this could be a reference to the words that appear above the gates of hell in the first part of Dante's The Divine Comedy, which is often known as Dante's Inferno, which read, Abandon all hope, ye who enter here. We got to dive into grief, and you got you got the first part of it. Yeah, you yeah, got yeah, the yeah, first yeah, yeah, yeah. that first theme of grief, that first point. Oh yeah, grief is what you'll feel when I'm dead. <laughs> so. Honestly, that's kind of sad. Anyway. I don't want to think about that. Like we talked about in the last episode, Aang is really going through the stages of grief. Um, this episode focuses more on his depression and acceptance stages. So uh, depression, we'll start off with that. I can identify with depression. Oh, me too. <laughs> um, so while the first few stages can feel very, quote unquote, like active, depression can often feel more of a quieter stage. Um, before I read this point, Serena, I just want to get a little personal here. Thank I have you. definitely noticed I am going through the stages of grief and I am in my depression phase right now. Yeah. So like, mm-hmm. I relate. Ang, girl, I know what you feel in. <laughs> I'm yeah. going through it too. Yeah. Um, the person in grief, me, can isolate <laughs> themselves from people who are close to them and try to cope, full, to try to fully cope with the loss. Obviously, this is seen a lot as Ang tries to distance himself from Katara. Come on, you need a hug. Thank you for your concern, Katara. And as emotions start to clear, the person often starts to feel the weight of their loss and inevitability of it. This is kind of established uh, at the beginning of the episode when the group is still adjusting to travel without Appa. It's the only way. I mean, it's not like we have Appa to fly us there. Shush up about Appa. Can't you at least try to be sensitive? Katara, it's okay. I know I was upset about losing Appa before, but I just want to focus on getting to Ba Sing Se and telling the Earth King about the solar eclipse. Oh, well, okay. I'm glad you're doing better. Obviously, um, he's not doing better. He just sees his situation for what it is. As more intense emotions uh, tend to fade, the emotion fog begins to clear and the loss feels more present and unavoidable. This is present as they are trying to navigate through the Serpent's Pass and Aang takes a very pessimistic view on their journey. How can we abandon hope? That's all we have. I don't know. The monks used to say that hope is just a distraction. So maybe we do need to abandon it. What are you talking about? Hope isn't going to get us into Bossing Say, and it's not going to find Appa. We need to focus on what we're doing right now, and that's getting across this pass. Okay, yeah, that was, I was very taken aback when... It's sad. Yeah, when It's Aang really sad. Like, we, we don't need it, it's only going to distract us. Yeah, it's kind like, of like heartbreaking. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> like, Aang, sweetie, I just want to give you a hug. Like, Katara. Yeah. I'm like, I just want to give you a hug, sweetie, are you okay? Oh, baby. It's really sad. But um, it gets brighter. Even though acceptance is not necessarily like a happy or uplifting stage of grief, uh, doesn't mean that you've moved past the grief or loss. Like, for example, I also not recently went through a breakup, but like mm-hmm. I'm just getting past that acceptance stage. Depression is the longest phase. Oh, you go gosh. through the first ones really quickly because they're very heated emotions. And then once you get to depression, it lasts a long time. Depression sucks. We hate it. We hate to see it. It does. But acceptance is actually pretty great. Um, It does mean, however, that you've accepted it and you've come to understand what it means in your life now. And now you're integrating and now you can begin to move forward. So... (laughs) 
Right. Thank you. Yeah. For that. Um, and in this case, like Aang recognizes that he can't change what happened to Appa, um, but he can put his efforts into doing all he can to find Appa again. This is especially because the loss um, Aang is feeling is not permanent. Like he's able to have hope that things can return to his old form of normal again. I thought I was trying to be strong, but really I was just running away from my feelings. Seeing this family together, so full of happiness and love. It's reminded me how I feel about Appa and how I feel about you. I promise I'll find Appa as fast as I can. I just really need to do this. See you in the big city. Say hi to that big fuzzball for me. You'll find him, Aang. I know. Thank you, Katara. Aang has accepted the situation that he is in, and he is making the necessary changes to work through them. He's also accepting the love that he gets from his friends again, and we love to see it. See, like, <laughs> Katara wanted to give him a hug, and now he's like, yes, I accept yes. that. And I'm like, good for you, Aang. <laughs> the best thing that you can do when you're going through grief is surround yourself by your loved ones. That is what I have learned. Oh, I love that. Is that is what we're doing. Tyler, I love you! Babe, oh my God, thank you so much. I'm so happy I get to see you every week when we record. It's such a it fun time. It makes me so time. happy. Um, I want to draw a connection to another character um and that is like this is i thought it was really interesting that we noticed ang was going through his stages of grief but we also noticed that like especially sokka is in this acceptance phase and like we talked about earlier that doesn't mean that sokka has like accepted the loss like oh good for him you know Mm -hmm. um but like he's going through this stage with the loss of ua um and just because he is able to move on with his life and where it is right now doesn't mean it makes it more di- like any easier for him. It's clearly still difficult for him, and we see that he's still trying to cope with it, especially with Suki. Ah, oh, it just breaks my heart. God, would you throw that romance? I in just there? like breeze through those two points uh, like without even reading them. I was kind of like, yeah, that's the gist of it. <laughs> beautiful. Anyway, I'm gonna daydream about romance and about how I don't oh have any God, romance. I know. You know what, Tyler? We can start to move on with our lives. And even though I won't have a life, um, it doesn't mean that the loss that I feel about my life currently when I die is any less painful. It just means that um, we're tying it to Sokka now because... um, that's uh, our what our podcast yeah. is about. You know, Serena, anyway. we'll have some more time to tie this to Sokka um, after this quick break. Quick break. Okay, so Serena, before the break, I said we would kind of like get to this, and now I just feel the need to start talking about it again, so I'm sorry. I'm just going to lead right into it. We're talking about characters, and it's Sokka. Um, Sokka is, of course, trying to... is of course, not trying to. He is acting overprotective of Suki on multiple occasions throughout this episode, mm-hmm. questioning whether she should come with him on the serpent's pass, pushing her out of the way of falling rocks, and like, there's a funny part to it, humorously, um, stopping her from lying down because there might be a spider. No, it is really heartbreaking because, uh, you know, Sokka never mentions Yue in front of Suki, but it's always implied that Yue's death is what's causing Sokka to behave this way towards Suki. <laughs> Look... I know you're just trying to help, but I can take care of myself. I know you can. Then why are you acting so overprotective? It's so hard to lose someone you care about. Something happened at the North Pole and I couldn't protect someone. I don't want anything like that to ever happen again. When Sokka and Suki almost kiss, the moon in the background between their faces is symbolic of how Sokka's feelings about Yue are separating him from Suki at that moment. Um, Before they have their conversation, there's a brief moment of dialogue that alludes to this as well. 
It's a beautiful moon. Yeah, it really is. I just want to say the moon is so romantic, and I don't know what it is. It might be the we fall season weather. We hung out last night weather. when it was the full moon, and it was so beautiful. Oh, God, it was just, it was gorgeous. And I don't know if it's the fall weather, but I am in a romantic oh, mood. Oh, I love and I have fall. No, oh, God, fall is my favorite time of Me year. Too. And I have no prospects. <laughs> and so I'm just been like, I'm, like, I'm going to hold my own hand. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Let's um, hop back onto the episode here. Yes, yes. Anyway, um, but I just want to say it, it's uh, it's so beautiful. And it it's important to note that while Sokka isn't intentionally protecting Suki because he doesn't think she's capable of taking care of herself as a woman, it still does come off as sexist. And I said that with emphasis. Well, it deserves emphasizing. Yes, thank you. Uh, this is... <laughs> Probably most notable at the end of the episode after Suki departs. I came along because I wanted to make sure you got through the Serpent's Pass safely. But now I need to get back to the other Kyoshi warriors. So you came along to protect me? This uh, definitely comes off that uh, Sokka is surprised that Suki is capable of protecting him. Implying he thought the power dynamic between the two was reversed. Um, it shows that Sokka has grown a lot from the Kiyoshi Warriors. Yep, that's a hard episode. name. Um, but he still has more growing to do, yes. obviously. Yes, he is not like a one-and-done character. He is a continual project. Tyler, we are never one-and-done characters. No, and that's what I love about this. They write him I like, they know that, the creators know that he has these problems, and they continue to like help him work through it. Oh my yeah. god, I love it. Um Let's um let's hop on over to Jet, which I think is interesting because Jet also had some problems that mm-hmm. he is working through now. Um, and the last time we saw Jet, he had this very like unhealthy mindset and yeah, like did. obsession um with the Fire Nation, especially mm-hmm. with like destroying the Fire Nation. Oh yeah, he did. Um, and like his tactics were like questionable. Like yeah, they he, were weird. He was trying to help people, but he wasn't really succeeding. Um. Again, like how the creators are writing this problem and how he's a continually changing person. Um, this episode presents an intriguing change in Zet. Zet. Jet. <laughs> um, and that we Ship see. Zuko and Jet. <laughs> Honestly, like. Zuko! <laughs> it's either Juko or Zet. Either way, I ship it. I oh, ship yeah. it so hard. God. I will have words for this later. Specifically in 2.15, I have words for this. Anyway. Um, I'm so excited. <laughs> We see that Jed is still very interested in helping people, but he's leaning away from his terrorist antics and his mindset of the ends justify the means. Um, we can see a definite shift when Jet asks Zuko to help him get food for the passengers on the ferry. Here's the deal. I hear the captain's eating like a king while us refugees have to feed off his scraps. Doesn't seem fair, does it? What sort of king is he eating like? The fat, happy kind. You want to help us liberate some food? I'm in. It is just so Machiavellian. Oh my god! Uh, I didn't even think of that. I was like, "What is what is the term I'm like trying to describe right now?" And I should have looked up Machiavellianism. Niccolo Machiavelli. Uh, and also, I'm not gonna lie, I was definitely attracted to Jet. <laughs> okay, I, as a kid, I was not. As an adult, I was like, yes, give me like, some of that Parasite shit. Yes. Right? I was, like Parasite the movie, not Parasite uh-huh. like the... Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That epi- oh, 
you guys, Tyler recommended to me to watch Parasite, it's and I did with my roommate. It's amazing. Let's get back <laughs> anyway, to Jet yes. now, though. <laughs> yes, um, our, our our Machiavellian hotshot. Oh my god! <laughs> um, so the language that Jet uses is very deliberate and intentional. So Jet suggests, quote unquote, liberating the food from the captain. The definition of liberate is to set something free from a situation, especially imprisonment or slavery, in which their liberty is severely restricted. This implies that the food is being held against their quote-unquote liberty, and the definition of liberty is the state of being free within a society from oppressive restrictions imposed by authority on one's way of life, behavior, or political views. That sneaky little Niccolo Rascal. He knows what mm-hmm. he's doing. Jet, Jet knows how to use his words. I he's know. a poet. You can use your words on me any day. Jet's Jet. like, want to help us liberate like, some oh, food? And liberate I'm like, oh, me, please. God, I just flooded my basement. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was PG 13. PG 13. I said the F bomb once and I gave sexual innuendos. <laughs> Um, our boy Jet, he he's sly because it suggests that the captain is in a position of power, and although he is, um, it's suggesting that he is oppressing the refugees by l- refusing food to them, therefore withholding them from their freedom, or in Jet's case, the refugees' right to healthy food when it's clearly available. God, he's so sneaky. He is. God. Just sneak right into my DMs. I also want to say that kind of like ties back to our Jet episode when we were talking about how he was very manipulative. Like he is using his words to like in a manipulative mindset to get Zuko on his side to make like Zuko believe that what he's doing is right. And I'm like, hmm, interesting. I'm also like, love fell for that once it. before. Yeah. <laughs> Not going to happen again. <laughs> um, so like jumping back to earlier in season one, Jet's methods are a bit questionable here. We talked about this in the waterbending scroll, um, asking if it's acceptable to steal from the rich in order to buy, provide for those who don't have it. And while this tactic, this tactic being used is a little bit aggressive and questionable, um, it's ultimately effective and it does benefit people. I've done some things in my past that I'm not proud of, but that's why I'm going to Bossing Se for a new beginning, a second chance. So ultimately, what we're saying is that Jet is really changing for the better and wants to focus his attention on helping others, and that's just um, so romantic. So now comes the part of the episode where I'm going to take over a little bit, but... Okay, you take over. I'm going to, you know what, I know what you're going to say because I've read the script and Tyler is the writer, so I'm going to sit back, I'm going to wait for you to do your thing, and then I'm going to say something. I feel the need to address this, so (laughs) it is going to be addressed. So on Instagram... I was requested, me specifically, was requested to, quote, stop hating on Toph because, quote, (laughs) I love Katara so much. (laughs) So I just want to say here, I will stop, quote, unquote, hating on Toph when she stops behaving in ways that are harmful to others' physical and mental well-being. I believe my critiques of her during bitter work were valid and that is why we were and that's why they were included in that episode. Just because a, a character is well-written, which Toph is, she is a very well-written character. She is a great character, I would say. I stated this when she was first introduced in The Blind Bandit. She is such a well-written character and just because she is seen as a very progressive character for the time of this TV show, which 
she is in the sense that like Toph defies just about every single stereotype that we think a woman should behave and act. That does not mean that the way she acts is acceptable. And I think we should call out problematic behavior and unhealthy behavior when it happens. So here we go. I'm going to go off. We see at the very end of the episode that Toph quote unquote shows affection by inflicting pain on others, even though intentionally hurting others um, as make and masking it as love is a very abusive behavior. I'm sorry. I'm calling it out. Um, while it can be argued that it's not Toph's intention, it's not the intention that matters here. What matters is that she is still hurting others without establishing that it's okay for her to do so beforehand. She is not telling her friends, like, this is how I show affection. Is this okay? And, like, you know, she's not establishing that consent, I guess. Um, because, you know, if we're going to get very dark, like, sometimes, like, you know, abuse and, and pain can be, like, enjoyable to a couple or enjoyable to people as long as there's, like, consent and all of that beforehand and if that's how you're showing your affection to someone to each their own but like it needs to be consensual and like both partners have to be on the same page but she's not doing that she is strictly doing it by her own boundaries and what she wants to do and as viewers we know that it hurts she is not just like giving a playful nudge because Aang says ow and he like rubs the area that Toph punched implying that it hurts but Tyler, you'll say, she's just a child. She doesn't know any better. She doesn't know these intricacies. No, you're right. She's not. That doesn't mean that her behavior is not okay, though. And her, the people that she's doing it to are her peers. They are the same age as her. So she is still inflicting harmful behavior to people who also don't know that what she is doing is or is not okay. And they will grow up thinking like, oh, if someone hits me, it's their way of showing affection. So that must be okay. So what I'm saying, even though she's a child, doesn't make her behavior okay. It establishes a power dynamic that reads that Toph can treat them however she wants because she is physically stronger than them, which will give the other kids that she is doing this to that people can treat them however they want as long as there's affection behind it. I'm done. <laughs> and again, I want to reiterate... Toph isn't a bad character. Right. Toph is a very well-written character. Toph is a very progressive behavior. I don't hate Toph because she's strong and tough. I hate Toph because her behaviors come off as harmful to others' physical and mental well-being. Aang's mental well-being in the Bitter Work episode, their physical well-beings right now. I completely acknowledge all of your opinions. <laughs> um and I see where you're coming from. I see and I understand. Um, I personally don't, I, I, I personally will say, yes, um, Toph's behavior, you know, masquerading aggression as love and affection is not healthy. That I do condemn mm -hmm. because obviously that's not okay. Mm -hmm. um, and like it would be okay if she like establishes this relationship with her friends beforehand. Exactly. But she doesn't. Yes. She just forces it onto them. Yes. I would also just like to say I was a first year in college when I first learned about the word consent. Okay. Yes. So I mean, for the time being, like you know, and when you 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 yeah, you no, I know. I know. Well, I say that like, like she's a kid; she doesn't know yeah, any better. But mm -hmm. that doesn't make it okay. Yeah, but also like at that time, I don't think consent was. I feel like we haven't evolved as a species at that time. Mm -hmm. I feel like if Avatar was written now, oh yeah, it was two thousand five. Oh it was yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, we were talking to our friend about this, where she was saying like. And during that time, like, especially with male writers mm -hmm. and, you know, a male head writer, male creators and a male head writer, it was like, mm, she's going to be different. She's not like a normal girl. She's tough and she's quirky and she's like a boy, but she's a girl, you know, which mm -hmm. like has its own problem, oh, like yeah. problems to it. And like, ultimately it is like very good that like we can see like 
a girl, not just a woman, a girl behave in such like an unapologetically like quote unquote masculine way and like totally break all of these stereotypes. I still don't think that makes that her some of her behaviors acceptable or healthy. You're right. You're right about that. Um, and I want you to know that you are right about that. <laughs> Our friend was also telling me, like, Tyler, she's not a real person. She's just a character. And I'm like, I know, but, like, still. Yeah, no, and, and uh, yes, as I have also gotten older, um, I, I recognize that these are harmful behaviors and should not be encouraged. Mm-hmm. Um, I do. What, what kind of scares me about Toph, though, is that I see a lot of my old friends, like mm-hmm. people who I have, who, people who I'm not friends with now, mm-hmm. but who I have been close with in the past, remind me a lot of Toph. It establishes an unhealthy like power dynamic. Like yes. one person is more in control than the other person. And just because you're a kid and you don't know what, what you're doing doesn't mean that it's okay. Sometimes you do need to learn like the hard way. I mean, I definitely did things that were unhealthy like as a teenager that I had to unlearn once I became an mm-hmm. adult. But like... You know, I look back on that and be like, even though I didn't know any better, how I treated people wasn't okay. Yeah, exactly. I mean, just in college, I had a relationship like mm-hmm. that where a friend, you know, the power dynamic was kind oh, of Oh, yeah, like that, I know who like, you're talking about. Oh, we were yeah, both yeah, friends yeah. with this person. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, actually, well, I had two friends like that, so, oh, um, yeah, no. And I do... I do love Toph. I no, do there's love nothing Toph. wrong with loving Toph. Oh, yeah, and like, I just, you know, there's a lot of strengths in that. I do think they they took it too far. Mm-hmm. They, they they really did overcompensate for that. Mm-hmm. But um, I do see in this episode especially. No, like up. there's nothing wrong with loving Toph. All mm-hmm. of these characters are flawed, and obviously, mm-hmm. like there are points that we can look over and points that we can't. Sokka being like a sexist pig. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, yeah. like I'm not saying it's wrong to like Toph because like. You know, if you're going to like a character, Mm -hmm. you're going to look over the things that you don't like about them. And that's okay because I do the same thing. I do the same thing with Katara. But like, it's, you know, like I would hope someone would call me out (laughs) on some of the things that Katara says, you know? And like, these problems should be presented with Toph as well. So you've said a lot about Toph. Mm -hmm. Um, You've said a lot about um, characters in general. Mm -hmm. In this episode, The Serpent's Past, Tyler, ultimately, who is your favorite character? Serena, I can't tell you right now because we have to take a quick break. Right. Oh, my God. Go putty. Oh, my God, Tyler, who is your favorite character in this episode? Okay, thank you. Um, <laughs> my favorite character this episode was... Sorry, I'm pulling it up. My favorite character this episode was Sokka. Um, really? Yeah. Do say more. So, um, in our bonus episode that we were just recording, our producer Aaron was saying, I get very attached to um, emotions of, like, a piece of media. So, um... Because we were talking about like anime, and I was saying like, how I don't really like classic anime like Naruto because it's just a lot of fight scenes. Um, but I really like Avatar because it's a very like emotion centered TV show. And I, my heart was breaking for Sokka with mm-hmm. everything he was going through with Yue um, and with Suki too, yeah. um, especially that one conversation between the two. Um, when he was just like sitting and staring at the moon. And this is a very interesting part that happened. Sokka's sitting by himself, staring at the moon. And a cloud passes over it. And as Suki walks onto screen, the cloud passes by the moon and Sokka's in the light again. So that shows that like Suki will be the one to help him out of his current grief that he is going through with Yue right now. And like God, that cinematography, those subtle hints are so beautiful. And like... 
Ugh, they just they did such a great job with Sokka this episode, showing his grief of what he's going through, but also not shying away from his problematic character traits like his sexism. Serena, I, love that. I was going to call you Suki. <laughs> I'm sorry. Can you stop? No, that's such a compliment. Serena, Please. who was your favorite character this episode? Okay, I I always I always do this because I'm usually really hard and fast about like my ratings, but about mm-hmm. my characters, I'm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> There's usually See, it's I'm usually pretty much a tie. the opposite. I'm like, yep, characters, I know who I want, but like my ratings, I'm like, mm, was it this or was it this <laughs> one? I don't know. <laughs> See, I had I almost had a tie. I um my runner up was Suki because okay. I Love Suki. We love her. I want a spinoff on Suki. I do too. So bad. She was so cool. God, she is. Oh my god. I want to be Just Suki. Like emotionally mature. Oh. Check. Tough and strong. Like how exactly, exactly how a woman was not typically shown. Mm-hmm. Check. Not abusive. Check. Check it all <laughs> off. Check it all off. Understanding Suki- of the emotions that Sokka is going through right now. <sighs> Check. Oh, I love Suki. Oh my god. Okay, tell me anyway. why. Tell me who your favorite character was. My though. favorite character was Toph. <laughs> um, Tyler like almost left the room. <laughs> I I okay, and you know what? I have to be. Um, very superficial about this one because, you know, it was just so freaking cool when they were going through the pass and Katara and Ang were running the whole time. Tyler can't even look me in the face right now. <laughs> no, and they were waterbending and then they couldn't waterbend it anymore because the serpent's coming through and the Toph just goes, oh, it's so cool. Toph, ah. Uh, she saves everyone's ass. So, she saves everyone's ass. So can I interject here? Yes. Okay, I promise it's not say? bad. Before I got really mad about Tom. <laughs> um, so I, I wrote this script kind of late because like, if you look at our Instagram, um, at the time of recording this, I was posting about the chase and I've gotten very little sleep this week. So I struggled writing this episode. And at the time when I wrote, go, went off about Toph, this was after someone commented on our Instagram post and I was like, I'm going off. Um, <laughs> so I forgot go. to put this into the script, but I was going to put into Toph's character that she is very reliable in mm-hmm. like very um, instinctual like choice situations. Like when Sokka pushed Suki out of the way, Toph was the one who stopped the rocks from collapsing on top of Sokka. And like when the serpent went like through their air bubble underneath underwater, Katara and Aang both freaked out and they like collapsed the water in on themselves. And Toph was the one who like saved them and like rose yep. them. I was going to put that in her character before I like got mad. So <laughs> thank you for bringing that up because you're right. That is a very important trait that she has. She is very reliable and knows how to like react quickly in life or death mm-hmm. situations. Yeah, her instincts are to die for. Also, I just, I just, I, I was there for the entire Suki Toph moment when Suki. Oh my saved god, Toph. I love that so much. <laughs> and Toph I like, low key ship oh. Toph and Suki. <laughs> I know. I high key ship them. I love them. Toph really showed a lot of sides of herself, um, especially when she's like, "Oh, Saka, you saved me," and then kisses Suki on the cheek, and Suki's like, "Um, it's me." And she goes, "Okay, you come at me, drown now." <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> It was just so funny. And you could tell that, you know, she was being grateful and all that kind of stuff. But, like, high, low-key, but also high-key, she was like, well, heck. Yeah. <laughs> I don't swing like, that way, so well. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, yeah, that was my favorite character. Favorite character check, verdict, Tyler, go! Okay, I gave this episode a seven. Um, I liked this episode. Like, um, 
I really liked Jet's character arc, in case you couldn't tell from how much we talked mm-hmm. about Jet. Um, my heart broke for Aang's grief process, especially because yeah. like it's one I'm going through right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but apart from that, I guess there's just like not really much going on. It's not a filler episode, but it kind of just feels like a like a travel episode. You know, like this episode is strictly there to get them from point A to point B. The action sequence with um the serpent was pretty cool, obviously. Um, and like like I said, I liked the brief part about Jet's character and the brief bit, like Aang's struggle throughout the episode. But like outside of that, it's just meh, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I enjoyed it. So I gave it a seven. Mm-hmm. I liked it. Like if I had to watch it again, I I mean, I did watch it again. I watched this for a second time and I didn't hate it watching it a second time. I was like, yeah, yeah, this is an episode that if it was on TV, I'd watch it, which like a six is not. A six is like, I have a positive opinion of it, but I wouldn't want to watch it for a second time. Right. Um, a seven, mm-hmm. you would. Um, so I was kind of like, yeah, that's pretty firmly where it is. Tyler, I also gave this episode a seven. Oh, cool. <laughs> oh, this cool. is like the first time we agree on something. I know. <laughs> That's really interesting. So tell me why you gave it a seven. I gave it a seven. Um, like you said, there wasn't a lot going on, um, but I also felt really redeemed by individual moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yep, yep. you know, when they got to the beginning of Serpent's Past, the whole um, abandoned hope and then angst, you know, that broke my heart. Mm-hmm. You know, Suki and uh, Asaka, their little interactions did okay, but also when they kissed, I was like, oh, my heart. Um, but God, I'm sorry. Can we also call out when Sokka like kisses her to make her stop talking? He goes like, "You talk too much." Like God. Okay, so I was so, into that. Oh, I was like, "You misogynistic asshole!" Ah. I'm gonna shut this woman up by kissing her. Hmm, <laughs> but also me. like. <laughs> Also, it was kind of cute. <laughs> it was hot. Okay. Anyway, um, so those moments, and then you know, also, I couldn't, I couldn't forget about the ending. You know, when um, Ban has her baby, they name her Hope, mm-hmm. and Aang was just. Ah! It was really cute. Even though I felt that the whole episode, they were like, "Oh, there's a pregnant lady here." Whatever, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. This pregnant yeah. lady, and then there, she's like, "Oh, my water broke." I felt it was like, "Oh, oh, my water broke," and then, "Oh." There's a baby. And mm-hmm. I was like, that's not what it's like, bro, woman. <laughs> no, I know. I mean, it's a kid's show, so it they really turned show. it down, tuned, toned it down. Oh, for sure. But. Yeah. But I, yeah, no, I thought that um, the episode was enjoyable. I would watch it again. Um, it wasn't super fantastic by any mm-hmm. means, but um, yeah. Serena, okay. as we've established, I am a crier. Um, so when I was writing this script and I went through and I put in the point, the part where like Aang is telling Katara like how he feels hopeful again and stuff like that, I was literally reading the transcript and I was like, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. Yeah. <laughs> it was, like just reading it was getting to me. I was like, Aang, yes, please. <laughs> Basically what I'm saying is, yes, I agree with you on all of that fully. <laughs> It was a really good, solid episode. It was. It's it's a solid seven. It's really you know, solid. Overall, nothing special about it, but has some special moments. It really does. That's all we have for this episode. A huge thank you goes out to our producer and audio engineer, Aaron Bogan, along with her production company, Sound Event Productions, and Annie Galloway, yeah, who made our cover art and is our graphic designer. Make sure you join us next week. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It allows more people blind us. I'm sorry. You should be sorry. No one's going to give us a five-star after that. 
that. Um, don't forget to tell a friend about the show or share the show oh if you like it. Gosh. Please feel free to reach out to us. Like, please, we love hearing from you so much. Our email is airbenderpod at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram, both at airbenderpod. That's A-I-R bender P-O-D. Check out our Patreon. Starting at $1 a month, you can get early access to episodes as well as behind-the-scenes content and bonus episodes who our producer Aaron joins us on and you can hear all of our opinions that don't quite make it to the final cut of the episode. You can find us there by searching the Avatar Podcast Yip Yip or by using the link in the description of this episode. Well, guys, I'm Serena Shrifles, the co-host of this show. You can follow me on Instagram at Serena underscore Shrifles. That's S-E-R-E-N-A underscore S-C-H-R-E-I-F-E-L-S. I'm Tyler Strandberg, the host creator and head writer of the show. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram, both at TylerJohn7. That's T-Y-L-E-R-J-O-N and the number seven. Well, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you guys next week. Aaron! We're done!